Some of you may remember that Aaron Copeland captured the poetic beauty of a simple little melody in his orchestral suite, Appalachian Spring. We know it as Lord of the Dance. song has more ancient history to it than that, though. Um, That melody was connected with words that were written in 1963, and actually that's included in our hymnal, The Lord of the Dance. But the origination of this tune uh, came with other words out of a community of Christians, charismatic Christians, that were called Shakers. In fact, their name was the combination of two words in Europe where they were known as shaking Quakers. They would worship with such intense feeling that they would be swept up in song and in dance as they circled together in worship to God. They are known also for their celibacy, which may explain why there are not too many of them around anymore. (laughs) The song that I'm remembering right now, though, was given its words by Joseph Brackett in the 19th century. Maybe you've heard it this way. is connected at the very core with who they were as a people of God. These shakers. Some of you have treasured the furniture that they built, which was a recognition of their simplicity. So functional, but without the frills that we consider adding to our furniture these days. Such a beauty in it all. Someone said, ours, ours 
is a culture that has a disease called affluenza. (laughs) You and I, we are prompted and conditioned to believe that the more we acquire, the better life will be. You know how this goes. Someone brings a chocolate cake by. You cut a piece of chocolate cake. You enjoy it. You think to yourself, two pieces of chocolate cake will be better yet. (laughs) And then three. And then four. This is a confessional for me today. (laughs) We get ourselves in trouble, don't we? By thinking more is better. Just look around you and see the evidence in our society. We love stuff. We love it. Anything we will collect. When I was a high school student, I worked afternoons in a grocery store. And one of the jobs there, after we had bagged the groceries of those that were coming through line, was not to stand still. The manager of the store would ask us, get busy, block the shelves. Some of you know what that means, but for me it was something I had to learn. He said, pull everything to the front, pull everything, everything to the front. You go into Walmart You think they have this endless supply. You're wrong. They've got only two or three there on the shelf, but they're constantly pulling it forward. Everyone does this in business because why? Because we want to believe they've got all we could ever, ever, ever want. It's a good concept. It plays to the idea of life in all its abundance. We are nourished by it everywhere we turn. We are nourished by the idea that there's a sufficiency for us and for everybody. I find it interesting to reflect on Mark Twain's writings. Uh, Samuel Clemens was so tongue-in-cheek as he penned the words that were in the form of Mark Twain. It was on a notepad that Mark Twain wrote the words, the lack of money is the root of all evil. (laughs) Doesn't that just sound like Mark Twain? The lack of money is the root of all evil. Stuff has this way. I think he would know, and we certainly know, of robbing us of God's presence. It is just the way we are constructed. Because acquiring things will put us into a state of stress. Maintaining things that we have acquired will put us into a state of anxiety. And in the midst of it all, we develop this dangerous notion that we are self-dependent, not other-dependent. In fact, it becomes prideful for us. 
that we are dependent on no one. We take care of ourselves and our own. It's a dangerous place to be. We become so self-dependent that we remove from our lives even dependence on God. And Jesus saw this. He saw it in all of those that gathered around him. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount were these basic guidelines for his followers, his disciples. And he told them straight and clear, he said, stop collecting things. Stop collecting things. You know that they will turn to dust finally. Moths will come and eat them. Rust will take over. A thief will come and steal it from you. Stop collecting things. I told Sue just a few days ago, I wonder if my rock collection isn't taking over me rather than me owning it. It has gotten rather large by some of you helping me, and I love those rocks. Each of them has a story, and I'm not by any means going to get rid of those rocks anytime soon. But you know how this goes. Collecting things can become so large for us, whatever it may be, little trinkets or larger things. You and I like to assemble to ourselves things that represent who we are. But you remember Jesus chose his words carefully. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You and I want to say to Jesus, no, you got it backwards, Jesus. You be careful when you say that to Jesus, by the way. (laughs) Don't tell Jesus that he's got it backwards. We want to think that Jesus should have said where your heart is, there is your treasure. That works a lot better for us. That allows us to have our heart right with God and pretty much do whatever we want to do. But Jesus got it right when he said it. He said, where your treasure is, what is it that you treasure? That's where your heart will be. You really love that thing that you've purchased so much? That's where your heart is. You think about it just a little bit. What is it that consumes you? Where is your treasure? Jesus was always absorbing his surroundings. Wherever he looked, he would begin to make comments about it. It's something that comes with just observing life in a good and full way. No doubt Jesus looked out at those that were gathered before him at the Sermon on the Mount. I wonder how many of them were suffering from some kind of visual ailment. You and I live in a very blessed age to be able to take cataracts right off the eye and to clear the vision again. It's a remarkable thing. In Jesus' day, there was not that as an option. Can you imagine his looking out and seeing the cloudy vision of those that were before him, their eyes having to strain even to get a good picture of what Jesus might look like. 
And as he looked, he began to think, this is exactly what I'm talking about because, because the things that we focus on began to affect not only us toward those things, they began to affect us toward God, to our interior being. The eye itself is this lamp that works both ways. It shines forth light, but it also lets in light to us. It's a beautiful concept. The eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. That's a scary thought. If then the light is light in you is darkness, how terrible that darkness will be. And Jesus goes on to say, you cannot serve God and money. It is not possible. We want it both ways. Jesus says, it's not possible. He's not saying it in a very judgmental way. He's saying it to protect us from ourselves because left to ourselves, we will spend our life acquiring and acquiring and acquiring because it gives us self-definition. He says you cannot, you cannot serve God and wealth. You've seen this before, it happens every year. You know, you would think that adults create the issues, um, but it's born into us. Every spring, children gather with their baskets, ready to do what? hunt for Easter eggs, and the adults of the church help with this. They put thousands of eggs out on the lawn, and I'm still finding those eggs. When we have work days, (laughs) they're out there. They're out there. The children gather, and when they are given permission, they race toward the eggs. Don't get in their way. Do not take your life in your own hands in that way. God forbid another child would reach for an egg that one child has already seen. That is my egg. They know how this works. We've just perfected it as adults. Children racing, filling their baskets, until they are overflowing with eggs, so that at every step they're losing eggs as they put eggs in on the front side. Do you understand how ridiculous this is? How disconnected it is from what we are about. Christianity begins where self-indulgence ends. Christianity begins where self-indulgence ends. Chad Myers was in Los Angeles and observed a street preacher with a sign as he walked around and proclaimed the gospel, the sign said, the consciousness of scarcity 
is the root of all evil. Now, this was a very articulate street preacher. The consciousness of scarcity is the root of all evil. Don't you know what he was talking about? You see, we talk ourselves into believing that Jesus' hard words were for other folk. I mean, that's the middle class way of looking at this thing. You know, Jesus gave a warning to the wealthy people. It's going to be as hard to get into the kingdom of God as it will be for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. But he wasn't talking to middle class folk, was he? (laughs) And certainly not to the poor. Boy, they get off easy because they get a free ticket. But you and I, if we listen carefully to these words, we'll realize that Jesus pretty much includes everybody here. Jesus speaks to those that are worried. And you can be worried whether you've got a lot that you're afraid of losing or whether you don't have enough to make it through that day, you think. Jesus said, don't worry what you eat or what you drink. Don't, don't worry about what you will wear. And again, he looks out and he says, Look at the birds. Aren't they cared for? And look at the flowers. Look at the cosmos that are side the road. Have you ever seen anything so beautifully clothed? We all need this message. He says, desire God's kingdom. First, first, desire God's kingdom. You know how a rich young man came up to Jesus and sort of tested this. I really think he was sincere. He came up and wanted to be a disciple, and Jesus said, when he asked how, he said, well, keep the commandments. And the young guy said, He said, well, I do that. You know, I'm trying to honor my parents. I'm faithful. I'm not jealous of what other people have. You know, I don't steal. Jesus saw where this was going. He said, and I think that he saw this young guy had cataracts at this point. He said, he said, okay. He said, so Give away everything that you have to the poor and then come and follow me. Now, when Mark tells his story, he says that the young man went away from Jesus very sad because he wasn't able to do that. It wasn't within his perspective of what God would want for him. I'm glad that there's another story in Scripture of Jesus encountering people and changing lives You remember how Jesus, walking down the streets there in Jericho, looked up into a tree and a young 
a, a man, not, I don't know how, what his age was, but he was a man that we like to think of as being short of stature. But he was up in the tree, and Jesus said, come on down, I'm going to go to your house for dinner this evening. And so at that, Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus into his home and receives such grace. This is the way of Jesus. He wasn't judging Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus never would have invited him to his home if he had felt judged. But in the midst of the grace that Jesus shared, what does Zacchaeus do? He says, by God, and that's what this is all about. (laughs) He said, I'll give half of what I've got away to the poor today. And if I have defrauded anybody, and I think Jesus probably laughed at that point. (laughs) If you have defrauded anybody, and Zacchaeus said, let me finish, let me finish. (laughs) I'll return four times over what I have taken immorally. And I believe he did it. Because it's remarkable what God can do through a changed life. He was learning. He was taking those steps of learning what it means to live simply for God. Let me share with you just a few thoughts in closing that I came across in a booklet that I treasure. A number of things that would make our lives simpler. Number one, learn the art of saying no. I'm not talking about your schedule here. I'm talking about our acquisition of things. Learn the art of saying no. When you exclude something, you invariably include something else even more fully. Number two, celebrate the ordinary, not the extraordinary. Learn to celebrate the ordinary. Your heart knows the comfort and the beauty in common things. You've just got to tell your head about it again. You already appreciate these ordinary things. Number three, it is hard to know when you have enough. Go ahead and admit it. It's hard to know when you have enough. Make this the question. Do I really need more? Number four, do not pretend to be anything you are not. That way you can always be consistent and truly free because you know it's all about us, right? The focus on us, what we get out of it. Number five, and I'll stop here. Learn to value spiritual things over material things. They last longer. They cost less. 
and they bring more. We can do this. We can do this. We got this thing called simple. We can do this.